0: Hello everyone, welcome to Teacher Magazine's four part podcast series on effective teaching methods. I'm Danielle Maloney. This month we speak to John Fleming, a leading advocate for education reform and someone whose views are highly sought after by education professionals throughout Australia. So let's start today by asking John what, in his opinion, makes a good teacher? Uh,
1: yeah, that's, uh, that's a yeah. very good question, but I think a good teacher um, mm-hmm. knows uh, what evidence-based research is telling them is mm-hmm. good practice, mm-hmm. uh, knows what that actually looks like in the classroom, exactly what activities they are doing mm-hmm. in the classroom uh, in, in terms of all curriculum areas, uh, that they measure how the group as a whole are going, how individual uh, students are going, and they have very clear uh, goals set in their mind about what their high-performing students should be achieving in reading, writing, maths, uh, but also uh, they know they have very clear goals for the kids who need extra support. Mm-hmm. They know how to deliver that extra support mm-hmm. Um, And basically they're not teaching and hoping that the kids do well, they actually know that if they deliver the curriculum in this particular way, uh, that they will get good results and every kid will reach their potential, whatever that is. Um, Also I think good teachers have a really outstanding relationship with their kids, so they make learning fun, they involve their kids in their learning, Uh, they contextualise kids learning so that the kids know this is what i'm learning this is why i'm learning it this Mm -hmm. is how i can use it and also they understand the importance of teaching kids how to problem solve and use it Mm because modern education is not just about giving kids skills here Mm -hmm. skills there it's about actually explaining to kids this is why you're learning this skill this is how you can use this skill, this is how you can use it in problem solving, uh, developing self-talk amongst kids so they can actually talk their way through problems and issues. And I think if we're doing that then we're genuinely creating lifelong learners rather than kids who are learning this now and it's not actually applicable next year or the year after Mm -hmm. or throughout their life.
0: Can you elaborate on how a teacher goes about instructing in an explicit manner?
1: Well, look, we have a lot of different pedagogies that have evolved mm-hmm. over uh, the last um, three decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went through the whole language approach. We went through uh, learning outcomes. Mm-hmm. And, and teachers in teacher training are given a whole different, uh, almost a plethora of different strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, but what the research, the evidence-based research, is crystal clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go back to 2000 to the National Reading Panel, 2005, the National Inquiry of Australia into teaching, uh, the Rose reports in the UK, they're all saying the same thing, that uh, explicit instruction is the way to go, that it needs to be skills based, and we need to virtually provide kids with the stepping stones uh, on a continuum for kids to achieve success in reading, writing. What I would advocate is that the research is clear on what we should be doing. We need to teach those strategies to teachers um, and we need to support them in implementing them in terms of uh, ongoing feedback, uh, coaching uh, and that's what I do in schools that I work with across Australia. That's virtually my role as a consultant. And I think we really need to update some of our approaches in Australia. I think Mm -hmm. people are using pedagogies that are outdated. Outmoded, uh, through, not through any fault of their own, but that's how they're trained. So naturally, that's how they then try to implement curriculum in their classrooms. I just think uh, we need to move uh, into a phase where we're actually looking at the research and supporting teachers in delivering that.
0: Okay. Tell me about your experience at Belfield.
1: My career prior to Belfield is probably relevant because I worked in. Disadvantaged school from when right. I became a teacher. Yeah. I used it in my own classroom explicit instruction techniques. Mm-hmm. I found if you, were, if you broke skills up step by step, mm-hmm. the kids actually picked it up. And mm-hmm. I quickly realised that kids can achieve in disadvantaged areas far greater results. And I guess um, what I had, had suggested to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I became a principal, I thought we now need to do this school-wide. Mm-hmm. So I implemented explicit instruction at Belfield. We actually supported our teachers in terms of that, mm-hmm. um, and basically explicit instruction in reading is letter sound relationships, mm-hmm. teaching kids that in a systematic structured manner, uh, and teaching the key skills of blending, tracking, and segmenting. Same in spelling, actually, teach, these, are the, these are the skills that we want to teach kids, mm-hmm. uh, so i began coaching the staff at Bellfield. Uh, supporting them and trying to make sure we had a consistent approach in every uh, classroom. Mm-hmm. Once we did that, we established benchmarks for our kids mm-hmm. and year by year we lifted those benchmarks. Mm-hmm. So we would have started off with, say, level 5 plan benchmark in our preps. By the time the last few years I was there, our minimum benchmark for preps was actually level 15, mm-hmm. uh, which is a year above. That, that's the mm-hmm. benchmark for year 1 but in 2005 100% of our preps actually achieved mm-hmm. level uh, 15 um, and we had level 30 as our goal for year one mm-hmm. and again in 2005 100% of our year one to that goal so those kids were significantly above what would traditionally be seen as the benchmarks for those kids mm-hmm. given they were disadvantaged kids and you know, people know the cohort. 85% of our parents were unemployed. 61% of the kids came from single-parent families. Mm-hmm. 25% of the kids came from non-speaking backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 10% were Indigenous. I mean, we had all the disadvantaged cohorts at, um, at Belfield.
0: How does your experience at Hallibury differ to your experience at Belfield? They're two very different schools, one from from completely different sectors. Is it still using the same concepts or has it exactly did you the same adapt
1: concepts, it exactly the same okay. didn't okay. have to adapt a thing yeah. because good teaching is good teaching yeah ir- irrespective of the background of the kids okay. and um the background of the kids is not the important determinant that a lot of people think it is mm-hmm. uh and Belfield proved that yeah because uh, our kids had very dysfunctional uh backgrounds mm-hmm. um uh, Harley, exact opposite. So you're talking two different ends of the socio-economic mm-hmm. scale. Yeah. Okay, um, we we applied and uh, implemented exactly the same strategies we're using at Belfield, mm-hmm. and have had exactly the same success. Harley kids uh, in 2000. And five, the year before I got here, mm-hmm. uh, were just above national benchmarks. Yeah. Now they are smashing national yeah. benchmarks. So Harlebury has had exactly the same improvement, mm-hmm. uh, relative gain, as mm-hmm. Belfield did.
0: How do you actually measure the success of the teachers and how they're improving?
1: Well, you know, I encourage schools to get coaching programs going mm-hmm. and I think most of the schools I've got, have got coaching programs mm-hmm. going. Okay. Uh, We also measure the kids every five weeks at Mm the part of the program Mm -hmm. to determine how they're going. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we set benchmarks and every five weeks we check Mm -hmm. how we're going against those benchmarks. So you're having ongoing uh, review of data to see where you're going. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Often in schools, I'll coach first then I'll model coaching, then I'll Mm -hmm. shadow the coaches. So we have a whole program Mm -hmm. based around supporting people. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing I work with schools is I say there are three stages in teacher's growth. Mm -hmm. Firstly, getting the delivery right. Mm -hmm. Secondly, lifting the expectations because you've now got Mm high-performing delivery. And Mm -hmm. finally, refining delivery so you're constantly looking at how can I improve the kids. Mm -hmm. So that's the journey. And that probably uh, is... uh, similar to a school journey. Get the Mm -hmm. delivery right, then lift the expectations. Don't just keep teaching what you've always taught. Lift Mm -hmm. your expectations and then refine that over time.
0: Okay. But this is just one of many instruction models, isn't it?
1: Explicit instruction is the umbrella. Whatever, Whatever you talk about, if you talk to me about inquiry... It actually falls under explicit instruction. If you talk to me about experiential learning, it Mm -hmm. actually fits under explicit instruction. If you Mm -hmm. talk to me um, uh, about developmental learning, Mm -hmm. it all fits under. Because for any learning activity to be effective, it has to be taught step by step. Mm -hmm. So you can have an experience. As Mm -hmm. long as you are working through that step by step, that is... a a more valuable experience. Developmental learning. Yeah, if you know exactly what you're trying to achieve and you're doing it step by step with kids, yeah they can be at their own part in the continuum. But in the end it's it's explicit instruction that is the pedagogy you are using over the top stuff. the umbrella. So and that's what I try to explain to people. It's not explicit instruction or inquiry. They're actually part of part of the Explicit instructions—the overall uh, umbrella. umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, so at Harlebury we do all those approaches mm-hmm. uh, in uh, across our school, but especially in the junior school. Mm-hmm. But it all falls under uh, explicit instruction. But inquiry, for example, is very explicit. We know exactly what we want to do with our kids. You know, this is my fifth year of doing this yeah. uh, around Australia, mm-hmm. and I work you know in every mainland state. Mm-hmm. I guess. I'm really exhilarated by what I see in schools, dedicated, hard-working people. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue in Australia is not the quality of teachers, I can tell you that. It's the quality of support they're given to be the great teachers that they actually want to do. And to me, in Australia, we've got to decide what is our pedagogy. Let's mm-hmm. support that in uh, the way in which we go about supporting teachers. Mm-hmm. The research clearly pointing towards explicit instruction. Um, and I think, uh, you know, that, that's a personal goal of mine, I guess, to get explicit instruction to as many schools as possible. But when you see the results, it's not just Belleville, it's not just Taylor There are many, many schools across Australia getting great results with these.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time, John.
1: Thanks, Danielle.
0: For more information about this podcast and to access other articles and videos, visit www.teachermagazine.com.au or join our community on social media via Facebook and Twitter.